Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 114. We are discussing the Honda Classic on the PGA Tour and the Oman Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting Systems winning European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, we're all right. Good. We're good. We'll talk about your victory in a little bit more detail in a short yeah, while. On. I'll let you. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Please subscribe to the podcast and drive popularity of the show. Naturally, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. The amount of uh, people join that group is very, very healthy at the moment. Mm. So uh, if you're on Facebook, why don't you come and join? Uh, Paul's available at Golf Betting. Let's drive him towards 10,000 Twitter followers. I'm available at Bamford Golf. Now, please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, stroke iTunes. I don't know how you know how you guys name it. It's now called Apple Podcasts, but most people still know it's iTunes. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them at the start of next week's show. And Jim in Texas has taken time to give us a review. So let's read it out, Paul. Greetings from across the pond. Five stars. I listen to these guys every week. They have so much knowledge. You can tell these guys are friends. Really? (laughs) And enjoy what they are doing. Thanks for the insight. Greetings from Texas. That's Jim in Texas. Jim, thank you for your time. Thank you for your five stars. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. We do get regular uh, reviews please keep them coming it really is important because effectively these reviews and the ratings that you give are a massive green light to itunes stroke apple podcasts Mm. to actually get your show more visibility within their search more people see it in the search more people listen simple as that so keep them coming okay i know i know that you're itching to talk about it should we talk about last week paul Patrick Reed, yeah, he was good, wasn't he? I looked at the leaderboard after day one in Mexico, and it was f- absolutely shocking for you. Mm. Five over, I think. Snedeker was he? Dustin Johnson, your win only bet was five over. Benny Ann was four putting from every <laughs> every conceivable place on every green. He was. He, I he, thought, he, oh no. Benny Ann was the first first player out. He was one of the in the first. Uh, first group so he drove the first green didn't he and he left himself about 23 foot something like that 25 foot so he's sitting there thinking well actually this is going to get off to a decent start and he full putted from 25 feet I thought well this is it you know that's that you know the the the, uh, the typical Thursday start is uh, is upon us and as you say yeah Sned's uh, struggled DJ struggled badly and Patrick Reed was doing all right, and then he bogeyed the last hole, which yeah. is one of my bugbears as well. So. Yeah, you hate that. But yes, he was there at two under, so at least he was in the hunt. Mm. And I know we mentioned Adam Scott. Um, yeah. He shot three over, and then shot, I think it was three under, three under, and then one under. So he's there or thereabouts still, but clearly, I don't know, he'd, have a, he'd had a glass of Chardonnay or something after. 
after his victory at Riviera. DeChambeau was one that I mentioned last week, who I backed, and he was close towards the top of the leaderboard. But what really got me about that tournament is, and I think a thing, a, 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 for me, an angle that a lot of commentators forget is just how good a short game you have got to have around that that yeah. golf course. Yeah. It's about scrambling and it's about putting, isn't it? And those Poana greens, from what I see on the TV, they they they're high, high POA percentage. Yeah, you can just but, see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think strictly speaking, they're Ben Power, but I think you know I've described them as Poana. I think you've you know, you've got such a high poana content in there that you wouldn't describe them as anything other than that. And it's clear from the uh, from the, the putting numbers that some players really just cannot get on with it and some players really, really struggle with it. It's interesting, I mean, read aside for a second, it's interesting to see Schnedeker play so well on the Sunday. And we've always had Schnedeker down as one of the um, the better poana players. And he was, what, he was yeah, nine, yeah. nine under through... 14, 15 holes, something like that. He was, you know, he was threatening the uh, the course record again on Sunday um, before a couple of late bogeys. And I think that course, that setup, as you said, it lends itself massively to players who can perform very, very well on and around the greens. And uh, it's no surprise that, that Reed was the uh, the best putter on the week, and he, he was the person who ended up getting the job done. Ninety eight putts he took in total over the course of the week, which is uh, pretty yeah. pretty strong. And there was a stat that they kept flashing up on Sunday about the number of one-putts that he'd, he'd, he'd made during the course of the week as well, which was uh, pretty staggering. So, uh, so yeah, but lovely to get some over the line. You don't get many sportsmen that thrive when they're under the media spotlight and the, mm. and the social media spotlight of being the, you know a cheat and people don't like Patrick Reed. He's not popular with his teammates on the team, you know, an American team, and he just thrives on it. Yeah, yeah. he actually he actually performs at his best when he's getting a load of grief. Yeah, and I well, I, I I just I I love that. I absolutely love that. He, and actually, you look at it, it, Patrick Reed first and Bryson DeChambeau second. I mean, it's the unpopular twins, isn't it? There, <laughs> and they even said it in their interviews. Oh, yeah, well, we get on it well, but you know, people pick on us. Yeah, yeah. But DeChambeau stood up for for Reed at the end, didn't he? He was, uh, you know, kind of uh, giving him a, a a few words of support, which was nice. And yeah, you know, before it all kicked off, Brooks Kepka was talking about him. Um, you know, with these these sandcastle yeah, comments yeah. that he was making and. Clearly, Peter Costas had, uh, had put, sort of dug in with his yep. uh, comments on the it was on the No Laying Up podcast, three, wasn't it? Yeah, three or four times he he he'd actually <clears throat> witnessed him mm. cheating allegedly. Yeah, but yeah, and I think enhancing for, his lie for someone like Reid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think him being the kind of the golfing bad boy impacts him negatively whatsoever. I think he it, it's kind no. of water, water for ducks back. He thrives on it. Yeah, I think it, from, again, from what he was saying in the post-interview, um, a lot of that is dealt with by his team. He kind of lets that man- that element be managed elsewhere and allows him just to, to focus on his game. And when he's on his game, um, he's a very, very good player. And uh, you know it's a very very good finisher. I mean, we've talked about his finishing in the past, and uh, you get players who get into position and cannot convert. Whereas Patrick Reed, you give him a sniff, that boy can convert 
wins, and uh, he did it again. Yeah, fair play to him. His his win equity and his price is always massive, Patrick Reed, and that's mm. why you know this season you and I have been focusing on that a lot more, trying to put up players that actually can get the job done rather than you know players that actually go backwards in terms of their performance on a Sunday. Yeah, and that's something we can talk about here actually. Reed was three strokes per round positive strokes gained putting. He was 16th for strokes gained tee to green. And most of that was around the green. He was actually negative off the tee. He was half a stroke up on approach. He was fourth for strokes gained around the green. So actually, his approach play and driving was poor. Yeah? But his scrambling and his putting was absolutely top world-class elite. Yeah, yeah. And that's how he got the job done. Um, do you think that mentally winning a WGC started to weigh on Bryson DeChambeau's mind? Because he was too clear, wasn't he, at one stage? He was too clear, on. yeah. It could, could easily have been three clear with, um, it was at the 11th, the par five, where, where Reed was sitting in the middle of the fairway and... You know, an iron in to, to hit the green in two, which would have put him back to uh, within one at that point, and Reed, Reed pushed it, uh, pushed his shot right into the trees, and then and left himself around about 10, 11 feet to make par, which he made. I mean, there was some lovely par saves as well from Reed on mm. on Sunday. You shouldn't, shouldn't shouldn't look past the <laughs> fact that he was when he was struggling and uh, when he was missing greens, he was getting himself. It was up and down. it was Mickelson esque, and who's another winner here? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Mickelson. Yeah, yeah, there's some some good uh, some good ties in with, um, with the previous winners here and, and courses that we've uh, we kind of plucked out from uh, from last year's uh, from last week's uh, preview and podcast. So, so yeah, there's a lot of good correlation there. But um, but yeah, he, he was too clear. Could have been three. He was two, and then um, the Reed started to reel him in, didn't he? And we've seen it before with him. I think you you were talking to me about the Barclays. Was it a couple of years ago where he did something similar? Yeah, I was on John Rahm. Um, and I think it was three to go, and all of a sudden Ram was too clear of Reed, and Ram's then starting to miss fairways, miss greens, yeah. and Reed. As soon as as soon as it's like blood in the water. As yeah, soon yeah, as yeah. Reed sees weakness, birdie, yeah. birdie. They they start flowing, and it's exactly what he did again. Yeah, gets a sniff of that blood, doesn't he? I said three late. Uh, the birdies on 15, 16, 17. and that that birdie on seventeen sealed it effectively, and. Although he, he struggled off the tee on the uh, the final hole just to make us sweat a little bit, it was he uh, built that cushion, didn't he? Had he had, he had a one shot lead going into the final uh, hole, it would have made it a bit more interesting for Bryson. But um, but two shots, you've got to play that final hole particularly badly to uh, to to make a double on that hole or worse. So uh, I've got I've got a question for you again. Hmm. Um, I I list, I I watched the well I watched the re, the replay of Nagel's Bagel's Periscope um, show that oh, he yeah. does on a Wednesday night. I think it's eight o'clock Eastern. So uh, for me, that's one a.m. and um, I'd rather be staring at my eyelids than uh, than watching <laughs> Nagel's Bagel's Periscope show. So I watch it in the morning on uh, on a repeat. He is a believer in the fact that John Rahm is a choker. Um, he's of the opinion, bearing in mind that he focuses on the PJ Tour rightly, that Ram um, struggles to close, and I can kind of see that. Um, don't forget, he's he's won twice on the PJ Tour individually and once in a team event. Mm. 
he, of course, shot that magnificent round on Saturday and started Sunday on a tear. Yeah. Got to joint leader. He did. He was favourite. And then the one. and then the bogey started to. Do you do you think that the world number one was starting to loom in his mind and? It's, it's I mean, it's, to say, isn't it? it's difficult. It's 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 all conjecture and rubbish, really, isn't it? But it is, but you know, that, for him listeners to get, like to listeners like to hear it. Yeah, for him, he, he drifted out. I mean, he started poorly, didn't he? He was he was right. I think was he four over at one point, something like that. He um he was four hundred to one at one point on Friday, mm. and um, by the time he he got to the joint lead on Sunday, um, he was the favourite. I mean, I think it was a four or five way tie for the lead at the point, but. Given yeah. the momentum that he'd grown, you know, and he was flying, you know, he'd made an inordinate amount of birdies in the last sort of round and a half to get himself into that position. Whether he choked, um, whether he just ran out of steam, whether you can't continue to make birdie after birdie after birdie for mm. for you know for for twenty seven for thirty six holes, in, yeah. you know, eventually, you know, perhaps the timing for that run was just that little bit too early. Perhaps he needed those uh, the, those birdies right at the back end of proceedings rather than uh, rather than kind of in, in the middle towards the end. But we've seen before, you know, we've seen when he's come over to the um, to the European Tour, he's well capable of converting an opportunity, and he's well capable of producing a Sunday round that absolutely blows everything else out of the water. Um, whether he feels less pressure on the European Tour than the PGA Tour or WGC or major level, yeah. Yeah, you could argue that, I guess. Um, but then, you know, he, w- he won't be the only one to. No, of course. To feel he did. He did mention on a, on a golf dot com podcast that I watched a couple of weeks ago. They interviewed him. It's um, Colt Nost mm. who hosts it. He basically said, "Yeah, the European tours, you know, far, you know, is a is a lower stature and is a lower depth of player. So he's fully aware of that. Yeah, and he, you know, it's a it, it's a subconscious thing. I just thought it was a fascinating tournament. You know, you had Patrick Reed in the end come and grab it. But you had Rahm got to joint leader, went backwards. Justin Thomas, who clearly shot, was it two or three over in the final round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, JT's a closer of merit, isn't he? But then he's now in the hunt for world number one. There's three of them right at the top, Mm. isn't there? And and it kind of can can change every big point scoring tournament who's world number one. And you had Rory just plod along as per usual, plodding along, gets a top five. Yep, yep. Yeah, not to forget Eric Van Ruyen, who was in there as well. Well, no, 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 this was it. I, I was going to say two players of real note. Eric Van Ruyen, you know, at last. He was top, was he, he He was right in the mix at Beth Page last year at the PGA, wasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's produced some good efforts in some good, good company. Yeah. Coming into the event, he was off the back of two straight mixed, missed cuts. So, um, you know, he, he was easily ignored. But so he played some really, really good he stuff. Did. And, and the other yeah, guy the, I was really impressed yeah, with off of a long injury layoff, Tyrrell, Tyrrell Hatton. Very, very strong performance there. Yeah, yeah just uh, perhaps lacking that little bit of sharpness. But um, uh, you know, other than that, he did look, uh, you know, it's a lot of good stuff to, and, and I'm sure he'll be extremely enthused from the way that he's came out. And, he uh, and will, perform. and he's going to pop in a lot of models, Paul, because he was first for strokes gained tee to green across the week. Mm. So when he plays at Arnold's tournament in a couple of weeks... Tyrrell Hatton's going to be very, very popular. Um, I I don't want to talk about last week because I was absolutely... I need to stop. I'm not going to swear because we try and keep this a family-friendly podcast. (laughs) I had... Bearing in mind the Puerto Rico Open's a lottery. 
I had 12 players. Oh, sorry, four of my players in the top 12. Mm. I had one in fifth, one in seventh, and two are tied 12th going into Sunday. Yeah. And I said to the missus, I said, you know, come on. From f- I mean, I know that my luck on a Sunday can be bad, but surely one of them is going to do something and it's going to be very, very scorable. Yeah. One of them. Just one of four. D- just one, please. Just one. And uh, no, no one. No one did anything. They all went backwards. I mean, Pat- Patrick Rogers is now in my will never back again bucket. I've actually he's he's been added to uh, he's been added to my portfolio, Paul. I'm, I'm actually reading it now off of uh, the sheet of win uh, sheet sheet of paper that's on my wall. Paul Casey, Ryan Palmer, Emiliano Grio, and Patrick Rogers. <laughs> that, li- that list is likely to grow. Oh, it's going to grow. <laughs> it's going to grow, big style. Mate. Yeah, so I, I take it you weren't over enamoured with uh, with Mr. Rogers' performance. Then. No, it was why, awful. Why, why, why single him out over the other three? Because you had, you had four live chances, didn't you? I did. Um, but then you've got Zhang in his second season. You've got McNeely as a rookie. And you've got that Tyler McCumber as a rookie. You can't yeah. really beat rookies up, I find. No, no. no actually, and this quite... is it. You look at it last year. Oh, Martin Trainer was a rookie. He'd done absolutely nothing in the build-up. I think he'd finished 28th at Pebble Beach, the, the outing before, which was his only ever top 30 on the PJ Tour. Yeah. And guess what? He went and won. So he actually grasped the situation and won. Mm. This year, I had three rookies in the mix. They weren't going to win because Hovland, Teeter and Laird had kind of got themselves in a little mini group, hadn't they, at the head mm. of the leaderboard? Yeah. They weren't going to win, but... You know, you worked it out, and I worked it out from previous. I said to you, twenty under would around that would win. It was softer, less wind. Um, Fifteen under was the place for the each way bet. Yeah, and then you know, Patrick Rogers is doing Patrick Rogers type things of shooting three over when Johnny Vegas is shooting ten under. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, is spineless, effectively. So, um, Patrick Rogers, he's in the bucket. He's in the bucket. I was uh, Tyler McCumber was I was impressed with. Um, you know, given that that was his course debut as well from memory, wasn't it? And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You kind of matched him up, married him up on the uh, the strengths of his game, and uh, clearly he's got a bit of uh, bit of power to his game. There's something it? about him, isn't there? Yeah. Very long, very long driver of the golf ball. Yeah. He actually mentioned in an interview before the tournament that in his backyard, because clearly his dad was Mark McCumber, they had a paspalum putting and chipping green. Mm-hmm. So he was very, very comfortable on Paspalum Greens. There you go. One for the notebook. One for the notebook if he actually keeps his card. Because mm. he's right close to the edge. He needs some top 10s. You know, top 30s and top 20s won't cut the mustard. No, 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 no. no. Got, got to sneak a couple of decent finishes in there. Right. Two tournaments this week. The Honda Classic on the PGA Tour. We'll start with that. We start the Florida Swing effectively. And we've now got on a scenario on the PGA Tour where, you know, it's, it's that inexorable, isn't it, road to the Masters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things really hot up in Florida. We've got the, the Honda Classic this week. We've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational Status event next week. We've then got the Players' Championship. I won't say the fifth major. Uh, the week after that, and then the Valspar Championship at that tough Copperhead course. Mm. The uh, is the fourth of uh, the fourth 
of four consecutive weeks of Florida action. Yeah, it's a fucking stretch, isn't it? It is a very good stretch. stretch. Um, the players always used to be playing in May. Well, it didn't always, but in recent times they play, moved that to May. So we had a three-week Florida swing. It's now the full month. Mm. And it's um, it's interesting looking at someone like Lee Westwood, who Westwood last year played in Mexico. He was way out of the world top 50, and basically he took a month off golf. Uh, this week, he's in the top 30 in the world. He's not a PGA Tour member as such. But he's actually playing the Honda Classic this week because he knows there's another set of huge official world golf ranking points that are on offer. Yeah, um, I think Harrington's playing this week, so they'll they'll be there. You know, he'll be there in his vice captain role. But actually, if if Westwood is focused and and can play great golf that he has been playing of late. He could, he could take another big big stride in terms of earning you know top eight top ten finish this week another big haul of points towards the Ryder Cup yeah yeah it's that kind of week the actual field this week though I don't know what you think I think the Honda Classic's been quite is has been hit by the fact that you've now got Honda Bay Hill and and the Players Championship all in three consecutive weeks. Yeah, and immediately after a WGC as well. So mm. some players clearly got to pick and choose their schedule, haven't they? And uh, and, and some are going to inevitably miss out on some of these events as they uh, as they kind of get their get their game into the right kind of shape. It's all about preparation for the Masters for the key for the big players at the moment, isn't it? And I think a lot of American players as well don't like this battle. They don't like this grind. They don't mm. like nine under winning a golf tournament. No. And you think, well, do I play the Champions course this week and it eats me alive? Mm. Or should I play something a bit easier, the Invitational at Bay Hill later on in the, you know, two week, uh, a week later? Yeah, make a few birdies. We've got at the top of the market this week, Tommy Fleetwood and Brooks Kepka, who are pretty much joint favourites. We've then got Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, Louis Oosthausen, Billy Ho. Uh, Victor Hovland, fresh off his win in Puerto Rico. Daniel Berger, Sung J M, and the Open champion Shane Lowry. Benny Ann, Eric Van Ruen. And then, by the close of the actual tournament, down at the battle end, you really have got the Web.com rookies. You know, your Martin, uh, you've got your Bovan Pelts, your Greg Chalmers, your Mackenzie Hughes, your Satoshi Kadiras. Players that are in really bad... Uh, Sung Yul Noh's playing again this week, fresh yep. from his military service. Um, it isn't the greatest depth of field, it has to be said. But I like the tournament. I really do like the tournament. Played on the Champions course at PJ National. We know that it's one of the most vicious uh, courses on the PGA Tour rotor. It was the fifth hardest uh, course on the PGA Tour last year. The other three uh, courses above were uh, Shazan, for the WGC and the others were the major venues. Yeah. It's a tough old test. The wind blows here, it's flat, there's no protection from trees, uh, it's windswept. Uh, the course features, I think, 13 of the 18 holes have got um, water in play. Yeah, it's a lot of water. I can see why Tony Fee now doesn't play. <laughs> it's a good um, test, though. I, 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 like, you know, I, I enjoy the. Um... Enjoy the spectacle of it because it isn't just about making birdies. It is it's a bit of a grind and it's consistent as well, isn't it? I mean, other than the years where it's particularly soft, which isn't that regular really, 
it's uh, it does test the, uh, the mental fortitude of these players, which is good. I, I like him. I've put in my preview, available in the description box on the podcast, um, that... Oh, I needed to mention something, didn't I? Sorry, I forgot about this at the top of the show. I do apologise to listeners. I'm just interjecting here. Um, if you want to watch the golf betting show that I put out on YouTube every week, you now have to follow our new channel, Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel. That's where the golf betting shows ongoing are going to be. So if you're a regular video watcher, um, the golf betting system channel has been suspended. The Steve Bamford Golf Channel is now available. It has been for a couple of weeks, actually. Make sure that you subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf Channel and then you will get our YouTube content ongoing. There we go. Um, right. Yes, this I think this tournament, Paul, feast and famine. JT, Ricky Fowler, Adam Scott. Uh, we've also had Rory McIlroy win here. Camillo Vijegas, he's playing again this week. Uh, after a period of, um, he's, been, he's been playing on the web. Uh, sorry, Corn Ferry, Spider Man, eh? It's, it's been a while, while since he's been. Uh... But back in 2010, Camilo Vajegas was a top 10, top 12 player in the world. Oh, he was. Yeah. It's feast or famine. You get an you you get an elite player winning this, or you get someone like Keith Mitchell, um, Michael Thompson, Russell Henley, Padraig Harrington winning at 300 or 400 to one. Now, I can't find players like that. I'm not even going to attempt to find players like that this week because it's nigh on impossible. I mean, I could be back in Jim Herman at 500 to 1, Fabian Gomez at 400 to 1, but, you know, I'm a very poor lottery winner. I focused more at the elite. I, I'm hoping it's going to be an elite. I mean, even last year, Keith Mitchell won, but second joint tied second with Ricky Fowler and Brooks Kepka. I mean, at the end of the day, a tough golf course like this, a tough assignment's going to, you know, a lot of the cream's going to rise to the top. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, key numbers: it's a par seventy. It features Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens. It's seven thousand one hundred twenty-five yards in length. The greens were new last year. They're bigger, they but they still fo- um, still feature Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. The old greens did, but they were absolutely knackered. They were at the end of their lifespan. What happened last year? And Paul would back me up on this. First year greens, they tend to be they just repel. They're yeah, they're yeah. firm. They haven't settled. Yeah. Um, the greens last year were, were really repelling t- uh, approach shots. This year, I expect twelve year, months on. You're yeah, probably going to find a little bit more receptive, shouldn't they? A little bit more receptive. The forecast for wind uh, Thursday will keep them honest. It looks calmer Friday, Saturday. You know, ten mile an hour breeze. But this golf course still tough. And then it's going to be a proper Honda Classic close, fifteen to twenty five gusting on Sunday. And that's when the real teeth of this golf, you know, straight bogeys across the bear trap, 15 through 17, bogey, bogey, bogey. That is more than possible when the, when the, you know, if you're, when that wind is howling here, if you're parring holes, you're doing very well. Yeah. Does that, does that Sunday forecast look like it's picking up during the day or is it? Uh, yeah, it, it's at its worst in, in the afternoon. Yeah. Wow. So that could be some interesting in-play action for players going out early on Sunday if that's forecast yeah. uh, sticks. Because you're right, those you know coming home, you can see players play those final few holes in a number of shots over par. So someone who's managed to put a decent round in and get himself in the hutch nice and early on Sunday could be sitting there pretty. Keith Mitchell won us at three hundred to one last year. Then we had Thomas at twelve to one. Fowler at 16s, Scott at 20s, Harrington at 400s, Henley at 300s. 
the average uh, across the 10 recent renewals, 147 to 1. And that's what I'm saying, feast or famine. It's an elite winner or it's a nobody. And I'm saying that in the nicest of ways, yeah? yeah? I mean, I'm talking about someone that literally can have missed, you know, all their cuts this season who pops up and wins. Um, I don't think there's much more to say about the um, the golf course itself. Um, when you're looking at traditional statistics, this was a number that really got me. Uh, last 10 winners, the uh, average of them out. Driving distance, 15th. Uh, greens in regulation, 15th. Scrambling, 11th. Scrambling, of all of the old traditional skill averages, was the, uh, the highest, uh, most important factor. Yep. So putting average 17th, scrambling 11th. Got to have a short game. Yep. Or you've got to be a player that knows where to miss greens. You've got to have a little bit of strategy about you. Mm. Know where to miss. Also, traditionally here, some of the toughest, hardest bunkering on the PGA Tour. So someone that's, that's good out of, um, good out of, oh, good sand save percentage, that's a real real plus point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Strokes gained, t- uh, strokes gained numbers. If you look at the average over the last four winners, uh, strokes gained off the T twelfth. I think you've got to have some mumbo. Strokes gained approach seventh. Don't tell me you're putting up Jim Furyk, Paul. Strokes gained approach seventh. Strokes gained around the green. You're so you're so obvious. Strokes gained around the T twenty third. Strokes gained T to green fourth. Strokes gained putting twenty third. This to me is the complete opposite of what we saw last week in Mexico. Last week. Um, as we said uh, in that section, Reed won strokes gained tee to green. He was 16th, strokes gained putting first. And you actually look, he he gained three three strokes on the greens um, and he, he only made one stroke tee to green. This, to me, is the opposite of that. It's about tee to green game, which includes a good scrambling short game. And the putter doesn't have to, doesn't have to be red hot. Doesn't have to be red hot. No, no. You got. You've just got to make sure that you're not making silly mistakes. To you can easily get yourself into a string of bird uh, bogeys there, can't you? And uh, you know, soon decimate a scorecard if you can, uh, if you're not careful. So yeah. it's a grind. It's tough, Paul. This to me is proper U.S. Open tough golf. Mm. And actually, what do you see get across Adam Scott, Ricky Fowler, J.T., um, even Padraig Harrington? Um, yeah. You could even go back to someone like um, Camillo Vijegas. He he had a top 10 in the US Open before he won here. Michael Thompson, who won in 2013, he'd finished second the year before at the Olympic Club over on the West Coast yeah, at yeah, the US yeah. Open. Yeah. I think US Open heritage is vitally important here. The, the one I had in my mind to back, the one that will probably come and bite me on the arse, the one that was very, very popular last week, who I think could win this this week, is Tommy Fleetwood. He has the absolute perfect game for this. But yeah, I just, I can't it, touch him at 10-1. to 1. Sorry. I, know, I just, it's, it's I just can't just, touch him. You know, we've talked about the price that you get available on Tommy Fleetwood, and we know how good Tommy is. I mean, yeah, he's coming off some relatively strong form. He finished fourth here. Uh, it wasn't it was the year before, wasn't it? Uh, back in 2018. Mm. Um, game suits, but... You know he's he's been properly found out in the market. He's you know he's his favourite over Brooks Kepka here. Mm. It's it's a hard hard ask to back him at that price. 
and yeah, I, I suspect he gets himself in the mix. He probably, he probably pays out from an each way perspective. The thing that you said earlier, and you know how these things come around. The thing you said about two minutes ago might come here. You might find Fleetwood goes out. Don't know what fifth, seventh, eighth group of the day shoots something silly like sixty-one and wins this tournament. Sat in the old uh, porter cabin at the back. Yeah. But I just I cannot back Tommy Fleetwood at a best price of twelve to one. Sorry, well, just it, cannot do it. Yeah, it, the scenario there is probably, given what we've seen from Fleetwood, the most likely because where he's been producing some relatively strong finishes this season so far, this year so far, they've all been that kind of pattern, or they've generally been that pattern where oh his final slow. his final round average. Over the last six to ten tournaments, must be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. But his first round average, or you know, all that destructive round in the middle that's putting him into mm-hmm. a into an early Sunday group, he's just taking him out of the equation. And yeah, can you trust him to come up, come through and, and not do that again? I, I've, not, I've made a few signs. Here you go, Paul. Uh, listen, to, listen to this. Listen to this. Right. This yeah. is this is the this is the position of the winners of this since twenty ten. After going into Sunday, yeah? Yeah. I'll start with Camillo. First, 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 second, second, first, first, second, second. <laughs> it doesn't suggest that you can come from off the pace. No, it doesn't, does it? Yeah, that kind of blows my theory out of the water. So, uh, yeah. But you know, theories and trends get beaten yeah, up every day, mate. Um, so I, I couldn't back Fleetwood and I would... Deal. If I if I could have got sixteen to one, something like that, I'd have been all over him like a rash. But I just can't back him at twelve to one. You know, if you fancy him, I cannot, cannot. Statistically, he's perfect. The only thing I didn't take note of in my forensic look at this, you look at Tommy Fleetwood when he wins. He is top three, top five greens in regulation. The outing before, he's yeah. absolutely spanking it. Last week in Mexico, I think he was twenty eighth for greens in regulation. It just you know when you when you're trying to separate very small bits of you know very short price players, it's just something like that that puts me off in the price. Oh, absolutely! When you look at Tommy Fleetwood and this, you know, just looking at his raw stats, you want to see a an eighty one or an eighty three percent greens in regulation stat, don't you? That's do you know what I think? If I'd have seen him in the top two or three for GIR last week, I'd have put him up at win only at twelve to one. But I just can't back him at 12 to 1. And I can't back him each way at that price. No. Right. Kupka, I don't think, is 100% up to speed at the moment. I can't back Ricky Fowler at 14 to 1. Justin Rose, tee to green at the moment, is just. We said a few weeks ago, was he available at 40 to 1 at Riviera or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, he's drifted right out, hasn't he? In this weak field, 25 to 1 on Justin Rose tells you pretty much mm. what you need to know. The one I couldn't avoid at the top of the market is Gary Woodland. He's the reigning US Open champion. He's got some good form here. He was runner-up here a few years ago. Um, he's hitting the ball very, very nicely from tee to green. Um, I noticed that that 10th that or 12th place finish last week at um, Chapultepec was his best ever finish there. It included his lowest ever round around Chapultepec, which was a minus 665 on the, sun, on the Saturday. Um, he's just playing nice golf at the moment. 12th for tee to green last week. He was um, also putting reasonably well. He was in the top half. He was actually positive in putting. That holds Gary back a lot. Actually, three of his last four performances have been positive in terms of putting. 
And actually, you look at woodland on Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass, that's a very strong surface for him. Yeah. I just, I, I can't walk past Gary Woodland at the top of that market. No, Again, statistic. I think this golf course, I really do think this golf course is about long approaches. Yeah. And actually, statistically, from long, you know, take um, take proximity. If you look at proximity from a, over 200 yards, last season he was the best on the PGA Tour, number one. 31st yeah. for strokes gained off the tee so far this year. 39th for strokes gained tee to green. He's just bubbling under, Gary. Um, I just... He's got a decent record in uh, Florida. He lives in Florida, Dale Ray Beach. I just, I, I think Woodland's a, a, a good, good option this way. Of the top boys, and I know you're not a top boy fan, who would you have taken? You know, someone sub thirty three to one. Yeah, sub forties. The, the, the closest I would have come would probably have been to Ricky Fowler, who's got a great record here. Um, but yeah, like you, I don't, I don't think his focus has been quite there this this year today, and. I don't think his game's been quite there either. There's been flashes of form, um, but I think at the price you'd need a little bit more than, uh, than than what he's showing to actually justify it. I can see I can see your logic with Woodland because you know he, he ticks the the technical um, golf course aspect. He ticks the Bermuda aspect. He's got course form here. Um, showed some decent form again last week. I I, I think for an overall package, I, I'm I'm struggling to oppose what you're. Yeah, your angle of attack with it, I must say. But yeah, like like you with Fleetwood, I I, I just I, I wouldn't be able to pull the trigger at that price. Second tip, um, I managed to get him at thirty three to one. I've only got the six places on that price, but I you know I think thirty three to one. He was twenty five to one across most other firms. I just had to take the eight additional uh, places uh, points on the odds. Got six places each way with Unibet. Um, Thanks to Unibet. i tell you what else I haven't done this week. I'm all over the place. I haven't gone through the top 10 in the predictor either. All right, we'll do that at the end. Uh, Billy Horschel, two points each way, 33 to 1. He's a Florida man, University of Florida graduate. Um, he's finished 8th here, 4th here, and 16th in uh, three of his last four performance uh, appearances. And we know with Billy, he's, um, he's finished 4th at the US Open. If you actually look at his uh, major championship performances, they're disappointing in the main. But if you look, you know, if you're saying what's the best one that he plays at regularly, US Open is the one. Fourth at Merion in 2013, behind uh, Justin Rose. He's <coughs> he's also got two top 25s and a further two top 35s in six appearances in the US Open. Last week in Mexico, um, another WGC top 10. I noted that he'd finished also 10th at um, the one that they played down in... Um, TPC Southwind last year, the week after the Open. Right, yeah. He then went on to finish fourth at the Wyndham Championship the week after. Mm. I think if you actually spoke to Billy off, you know, candidly, he'd say that he's been disappointed with his top performances at the very highest level. But something like this, something on a tough golf course where I think he feels at home, this that this kind of depth of field I think he's the kind of player that could really get in the mix and 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 let's let's be frank he does win tournaments he's a five-time PGA Tour winner he's also won three of those on Bermuda grass greens yeah and the thing I loved about his game last week he was rock solid first for total driving first for ball striking second for greens in regulation 11th for strokes gain tee to green also third and 17th 
in his last two performances, so that being ninth in um, Scottsdale and ninth in Mexico, third and 17th for strokes game putting. And when you look at Billy Horshaw and when he wins, he's also he's always had a very strong, massively positive putting performance in the lead-up to that victory. And actually, listen to this. Four of his five wins have come off the following finishes. Ninth, second, first and 11th. Yeah. We've always said, especially FedEx Cup playoff point, when when Billy's in the slot and he's putting well, we know that he's an, he's a tee to green, um, you know, tee to green elite player. But when that putter's connecting and he's got confidence with the putter, he can get over the line. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see the line. It does. He's that kind of player who builds on existing form, doesn't he? And generally, you don't get the best of prices for him when he does get over the line, but. Um, you know, so be it. These, you have to read and understand these kind of players and their kind of mo as to as to how and when they when they do convert. It was interesting with Billy, wasn't it? Back kind of middle part, early part of last year. I forget exactly when it was. Where his ball striking, his total driving just collapsed. Yet his putting was outstanding. Um, he seems to have gone back to the uh, to the core of his uh, his strengths. And as you you know, the, the numbers you read through a second ago is. You know, from T to green, his numbers seem to be absolutely bang on. But yeah, if he's found some form of the putter, then um, then he's well capable of winning. And th- th- again, you know, for a player who's coming to a, a, a tough technical track, um, it's right up his alley. You're absolutely spot on. It was at this point last year. He actually, at last year's Honda, he actually finished 16th. He was 70th. Get that, 70th for strokes gain tee to green. <laughs> and he was first for strokes gain putting. There you go. Now, he came into that tournament last year, having been to Mexico, where he finished 51st for strokes gain tee to green, yeah? Yep. This year, he finished in the top 12 for strokes gain tee to green, and he's putting nicely. So you never know with Billy Ho. Yeah. The other one I've taken, I've only gone for three this week because I've gone for two near the top. I just think that this guy's world ranking, again, against the price that's being offered and against the guy's heritage and history, is is a value punt each way. I've just taken Lee Westwood at eighty to one. Seven places were available with uh, with uh, Betfred, I think it was. Yeah, Betfred. Yep. He's thirtieth in the world. He's at eighty to one. He's at the same price as Emil. He's actually longer than Emiliano Grillo. You know, he's priced up with Kevin Streelman. Wyndham Clark is being backed off the board. And he's shorter than Lee Westwood in price. Yeah, you never quite know with Westy, do you? But, uh, he's I don't that, get that. Yeah. I don't get that. He's got that, he's got that recent win. And uh, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't disgraced last week by any stretch. Really. He was top 20. And then did he bogey the last two? Yeah, yeah. He finished just outside the top 20, I think, in the end. But, uh, so he, he would have been top 15, yeah? Yeah. At World Golf Championship level. In yeah, a great field. Yes, no, and, and then you you look at him this week, and he's uh, he's a he's at bigger odds than Ryan Palmer, Wyndham Clark, and Emiliano Grillo. I just I struggle. Sorry. Oh, and JT Poston. I, I, I think that's actually a, you've put at the top of your preview this week. Sometimes you look at a a, a, um, a tournament, and you're um, you're absolutely appalled by the odds on offer. Mm. Actually, eighty to one on Lee Westwood. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Who are you on? 
Um, well, the one, I've only backed one. He sits um, sits on your um, yeah, know. predicted top ten. Actually, he said, "Do you want to do the predictor, and then I'll, I'll pluck yeah, him out." Of course. Um, ten Shane Lowry, forty to one. He's starting to show some form. Shane. Nine Tommy Fleetwood, twelve to one with Betfair. Eight places each way. Eight on your friend Benny Ann. Your friend and everyone's friend, Benny Ann. He pops a lot of models, doesn't he? Forty to one was my friend on Thursday last week. Oh yeah, but he's he's great from tea to green, but he puts like Boo Weekly. (laughs) Eighty to one with Betfred, seven places each way. Uh, Seven Billy Ho, thirty thirty to one available this morning. William Hill six each way. Uh, Six is Justin Rose at twenty fives with Unibet six each way. Five. I've got a feeling this might be your punt, Paul. Johnny Vegas, eighty to one with Coral seven place each way. Before before you are Johnny Vegas is actually in my won't back bucket, so um, I can't back Johnny Vegas. Four is Brooks Kepka, twelve. Uh, I did say the price eighty to one with Coral seven place each way on Vegas. Four is Brooks Kepka at twelves with Betfred on the seven places. Three is Ricky Fowler at fourteen to one with Betfred on the seven places. I have to say Betfred this week, great on odds. Well done, Betfred. Mm, yeah. Really, really strong on seven places. Um, if you want, fancy a Betfred account, uh, bet £10, get £30 free bet, plus 30 free spins available at Golf Betting System. Um, of course, there are links through to um, both Paul and mine previews in the description box of the podcast. We've then got Gary Woodland, 22 to 1 in second place on the predictor, with Coral, seven place each way. Number one, Daniel Berger, 33 to 1 with Betfred, seven place each way. Daniel Berger, eh? So, so why are you back in Johnny Vegas? Why am I back in Johnny? Johnny Vegas is the one I've backed, Steve. You're absolutely spot on. He's, he's, he sits in fifth, doesn't he? So um, between... Yeah. Uh, well, he's a bomber. And Rose. He's a ball yeah, striker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's got absolutely everything I'm looking for. Yeah. His first round leader here last year opened with a 64. I think he finished what, 16th in the end, but uh, started off nicely. So showed some form on the track. He was fourth in 2017, where he closed with another 64 that week. 12th in 2014, his fourth game into the, into the final day. So there's enough course form for me to be interested. Three wins on tour. Um, one of them at the uh, Bob Hope Classic back in 2011, which um, was on Gary the... Gary Woodland finish runner-up, yeah. Yeah, yeah PJ West, uh, Nicholas course. So Jack Nicholas links there. 2016, 2017 Canadian Open. Uh, Glen Abbey, Jack Nicholas links. Um, in terms of this track, he clearly loves Jack Nicholas tracks. Uh, current form, third going into the weekend at Torrey Pines, third after day one at Saudi International. He closed with a 62 in Puerto Rico last week. Best round of all the players on the week. And um, I remember back before that 2016 Canadian Open, he finished fourth, I think it was, at the Barbasol the week before. So another alternate event. He did. I think he. I think he went out. Uh, he went out in the final group. He did. Bumbled yeah, that, the finish. Bumbled the finish. Everyone went mad. That Johnny Vegas. Blah, 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 blah. And then he. And then he. Yeah, he won the week after. Yeah. He won the week after. He shot sixty in the second round. I think it was that week at the Barbasol. Yeah, yeah. Clearly showed some incredible form and um, couldn't quite finish it off. And then went and won the week later with the spirits high. 62 right. last week is almost comparable to that. It's um, Other than the 60s, it's his, his joint best round of his career for, as a professional. Yeah. Um, ball striking's been really good lately. Um, I, In terms of ticking all of the boxes I want from an 80 to 1 shot, he's absolutely everything I want to see. So I've, um, I've backed him at 80 to 1. Good work. Well Johnny done, Vegas. Johnny I hope Vegas. he comes in for you. 
Yes, I know he's on, he's on your uh, he's on your Doesn't matter. your list, but um... a lot of people would say that I'm very immature in the way that I need to have a clean slate of um, you know cl- clean sheet of paper every week. I don't know. Anyway, we we all, we all back players and, and use different systems, don't we? Yeah. I, I, in 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 my world of win equity, Johnny Vegas, he actually was it three PGA to a victory, three PGA, yeah, all with Jack Nicklaus' uh, links in some shape or form. And I tell you what, over recent years, he's won a lot more than players like Bud Cawley, who's at the same price, Jason Cokerag, who's never won on the PGA tour. So I can see your logic. There's win equity in Vegas, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, worth a stab in my view at the uh, at the price. Right, the European Tour is back, Paul, and um, it's a nice little tournament they run down in Oman on, a, on, on what I um, remember being a very nice coastal track. Is that is that right? Yeah, almost almost linksy, you could call it, or links like. On the looks like um, it's a half decent European Tour field, and there's some decent odds this week on offer. There is, yeah. It's it's, it's interesting how the next few weeks are going to play out because the schedules of a lot of these players will have been um, come under a little bit of scrutiny, I think, because the the China Open's been postponed because of the uh, coronavirus outbreak, and the uh, the Maybank Championship um, has also been postponed. So there's a gaping hole in the European Tour schedule after Augusta now. So. Some of these players who had opted not to play this week and next in Oman and then in Qatar, um, we've, got in, uh, we've got India coming up as well. I suspect a few of them have had to uh, make a decision as to whether to slot some of these events in to try and try and make sure they're not literally taking best part of two months off. Yeah. Which, um, if you're outside the world top fifty, you've you've got little option, haven't you? Absolutely, you know, yeah. And you know, and you're a European tour member with no PGA tour status. You've got to play these events, surely. Yeah, you, you've, you've got to slot them in. So, so yeah, I think it has helped the field a little bit. Um, it's a similar field next week as well, as you'd expect. So some players are coming over for a two-week stint over here in the, in the Middle East. The prize funds aren't huge. They're $1.75 million, so they're relatively low-key. But you've got some decent players here. I mean, I'll go for the top of the market, give you an idea. Um, Thomas Peters is the favourite at 12 to 1, um, as he's tended to be over these last few events that have been played at a similar kind of level over here. Um, Martin Keimer, 16 to 1. Thomas Detry, 20 to 1. Uh, the 2018 winner here, Joost Lauten, 22s. Adrian Els, 28 to 1, who's been backed in from yesterday. Gavin Green, 28 to 1, also been, uh, been a popular pick so far this week, Gavin Green. Uh, the Vic Open winner Minwoo Lee is thirty-three to one. Hao Tong Lee thirty-five to one, and forty to one bar those players. But yeah, I, and you you mentioned it a second ago that you know you, you, I looked at the market early doors on Monday and I was I was positively enthused with some of the prices I saw, mm. and um, Eddie Pepperell was priced up at fifty to one before it was confirmed he wasn't in the field, and you know given. Even given the kind of vagaries of his form and um, the, the erraticness of his, his uh, you know, some of his finishes, um, fifty to one for Eddie Pepper in this field would have been very. What very was the difficult. price? Sorry, fifty to one. He was priced up. Can at you explain to me why someone like Eddie Pepper would be at fifty to one? How many wins has he had in recent years? Yeah, absolutely. On on linksy coastal style tracks as well. And Martin Keimer's sixteen to one. Who hasn't <laughs> won for how long? I mean, this is it, isn't it? 
2014. I think a lot of these odds compilers now, and I've said this, they're using strokes game metrics. They're they're using the same models that we all use, and that comes to. So if you're a consistent ball striker like a Yost Lauten now, yeah, great tee to green numbers, you're always at a crazily short price. Yeah. And, and he's not done a lot recently, is he? 22 to 1, his fourth favourite, Yost yeah. Lauten. And yeah. yes, I know he's won here. I've got all that. But then you look at someone like Eddie Pepperell, who's more kind of Patrick Reed, has terrible, terrible weeks that drag his stats completely underwater, but then finds form and wins golf tournaments. You get him at fifty to one. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if if Eddie had actually ended up playing this week, I'd have been. Uh, I, 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 there's no way I could have left him out, regardless of you know anything that you might have read on Twitter about. Wasn't he contending? Like. Is it, was it Dubai where he was in the final group? Yeah, I think he finished Pets. 12th or something like that in the end. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's a, you know, he's contending for titles and he would have been 50 to 1. <laughs> yeah. on, on a course that would have suited. I, 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 was, I was a little disappointed to see his name start to drop off the... Uh, the why did he not seat. actually... Why is he not playing? I'm not saying a, I'm not saying a reason, actually. I've had a quick flip through. He's not uh, an injury. Twitter. No, uh, not that I've seen, no. He, he's scheduled to be playing in Qatar next week as well, so it'd be interesting to see if yeah. um, he pulls out of that one as well or not. But um, Loves Qatar, but, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, but yeah, disappointing that he's not playing. But that, I mean, that that was the kind of numbers I was looking at and thinking, well, you know, there's 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 some uh, there's some scope here, particularly for players from the kind of mid prices down. So, uh, um, we'll go into my picks in a few minutes, but that's kind of where I've uh, positioned myself this week. Um, we're playing at the Almud Golf Course. Um, it's the third time we're here after the last two events. Actually, there's a little bit more course form if you want to dig through, all of which is available on the website. Um, you've got the NBO Golf Classic played on the Challenge Tour between or in 2013 and 2014 that was played here, and the NBO Grand Final, which used to be the uh, the end event for the Challenge Tour players 2015 through 2017. So we've spliced those results together with the last two events, which were clearly played at European Tour level, and they're all included in the event stats on the site for this week. So there's a little bit to work with. Um, Greg Norman design is 7,365 yard par 72. And as we said, it's coastal, it's links in style, um, wide exposed fairways, bunker in waste areas, the, the normal um, linksy style shenanigans. And um, Paspalum is used throughout though, um, similar to Saudi a few weeks ago. So they use it on the fairways, they use it for the rough, they use it on the okay. greens as well. Paspalum greens, right? Okay. Indeed, yes. And ten of the holes feature water in some shape or form. Some of them run right along the sea, so um, you've got that aspect. And uh, clearly, you need to have an element of control. Although they are quite wide fairways, as I said a second ago. Essentially, and as we often say when we come to these coastal tracks, it's the conditions, the weather conditions, the wind conditions that will determine how difficult the course plays. And if you look back at those Challenge Tour events between 2013 and 2017. The winning scores varied between 7-under and 21-under, so there's a massive variation there. And just from the two events that we had on the European Tour for the uh, for the last two years, Joost Lauten won at 16-under back in 2018. Kurt Kitayama won at 7-under, so a nine-shot swing 12 months ago. So um, clearly a, a big difference based on how strong the wind was blowing. And last year there was some, some particularly gnarly conditions when Kitayama won, actually. 
a lot of big scores I remember being uh, being registered during the course of uh, some of those rounds. Conditions this week set fair though, 80 Fahrenheit or thereabouts most afternoons, 10 to 15 miles an hour. So I'm expecting somewhere in the um, upper teens, kind of around about the Yost Laos and 16 under, maybe a shot or two better if someone gets away this week as the winning score for this week, I'd have said. Um, looking through the two events we've got here, clearly you've only got actual skill stats from the last two years. Prior to that, there's nothing tangible to work with. But from the two events that we've seen, it's tended to be those players who performed best on and around the greens that have got over the line. Um, driving accuracy stats tend to be really quite consistent between all the players. Greens and regulation stats are really quite consistent. A lot of players are hitting the same fairways and hitting the same greens. It's just how they performed on and around the greens. That's interesting with Loughton because he isn't the best putter, yet on the week when he won, he topped the putting average stats. Mm. And when you get a player like Loughton who, when he's playing well, does hit lots of greens, hits lots of fairways, if he suddenly starts topping the putting stats, he wins a golf tournament. It's as simple as that. Mm. And that's exactly what he did back in 2018. The stat interested me here um, and brings it home a little bit about the kind of the, the challenge of this. Only one player, and that was Loughton in 2018, broke 20 birdies in the 2018 renewal. Only one player last year, that was Joachim uh, B. Hansen, I think he was, again broke 20 birdies last year. Everyone else was in the in the in the teens or lower, and often right. you see in these tracks, you know, you've got players making 23, 25, 27 oh, yeah. birdies. So for everyone to be kind of hovering around the 15, 17 and a good performance was maybe 18, 19 birdies, then uh, it makes, uh, it, it, it tells you that it's not just all out attack on this particular track. On the PGA Tour, you usually see, say, 33 to 35% birdie or better conversion. Yep. Yeah. What you're saying is that these, these guys are struggling to break 27%, which yeah, means absolutely. it's quite a tough technical test, really. Yeah, it is. And for par 72 with four par fives and a, and, and a short attackable par four in the, in the mix as well, it's, um, it, it shows you that the rest of the course isn't a pushover by any stretch. There's some long par fours in there as well, some 500-yard 500 jobs. So um, you've, you've got to be careful. It's, it's quite a tricky finish as well. So yeah. um, And when the wind blows, as you've seen, seven under is, is a winning score around here. So... Um, yeah, a challenging track. I just don't think we're going to see quite that challenge this week with the uh, conditions as they're, as they're forecast. Uh, incoming form, Kachama coming in was miscut, miscut, miscut. So you're not reading a great deal into that. He was 200 to 1 when he won this wow. last year. He had won the Mauritius Open um, before Christmas, though. And again, on a similar coastal track with similar grasses there was there's some logic there had you taken a chance on the fact that he would improve from his string of miscuts Yost Loughton 48 miscut 11th coming into his so he had flashed a little bit of form the week before he'd finished second before Christmas to Sergio at Valderrama that was his most tangible effort in the lead up to his win but again neither of them particularly sparkling uh, form both of them were making their course debuts as well so Again, you know, we've put the put the core stats on the on the website. Do take them with a pinch of salt because a lot of the players have only played this um, track at Challenge Tour level as well. So, um, boiling it all down, I think Pasperin form is good. I think if you've shown some form at the likes of Mauritius, some of the old China Opens were used with Pasperin as well. 
um, Kuala Lumpur. There's um, there's a few tracks that would um, and Saudi, the Saudi International um, from from a couple of weeks back and, and last year as well. There's a, there's a few tracks that you use Paspalum. So if you've got a player who's um, shown some aptitude for that, that's a positive, I think. Um, coastal linksy tracks, the KLM Open's a good one to look at, the Irish Open, Scottish Open, normal fare that you'd expect where players who do enjoy um, a bit of coastal golf, a bit of linksy style golf, have come to the fore in the past. Should I go through your top 10? Your predictor go for it, yeah. Predictor's good, Steve. Go for it. Ten is Minwoo Lee, thirty-three to one with Unibet, sixth place each way. Um, he was uh, he's straight off a victory down in Australia. Nine is Brandon Stone, eighty to one with Coral, seven place each way. If I say each way places, all are fifty odds. Eight is Ashan Wu, eighty to one with Unibet, sixth place each way. The prices I cite mentioning now are prices that are available today, Tuesday morning in the UK. Seven Matteo Pavon, sixty-six to one with Coral, seven place each way. Six is Joachim B. Hansen. You mentioned him earlier. 80 to 1 with Betfred, six place each way. Five is Dean Bermester, someone I keep my eye on. 50 to 1 with Betfred, six place each way. Four is Benjamin Hebea, 40 to 1 with Coral, seven place each way. Three, this was a completely new name to me. Robin, is it C.S.? C.O. Seagast, I think. There you go, that's him. Um, he's 150 to 1 with Ladbrokes right now. Two is Clement Sorday. This is a this is proper French. This is isn't it? <laughs> Clement Sorday, eighty to one with Coral, seven places each way. And number one, let's go for a Belgian just to top it off. Thomas Peters, twelve to one with Betfred, six places each way. So mm. Peters, Sorday, and your man, Robin, Robin, <laughs> Robin, Robin. Robin top three in the predictor model. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, the, um, the the four players I've backed four this week. The four I've backed, all four of them, fall, have fell into the uh, top ten of the predictor this week, which is um, which is encouraging. Um, mm. Top of the shop for me was Benjamin Hebert, who yeah. um, he opened up at fifty to one. He's available best price forty to one now. He's been backed in, and quite rightly as well, I think um, fifty to one. And um, Steve, you and I chatted briefly yesterday morning about uh, Hebert's performance at the yeah. WGC. Played beautifully. He did. He played well, and I, I, I said to you, you know, I suspect it's decimated his price. So for me to see fifty to one early doors yesterday about Haber was um, a a very encouraging number, and mm-hmm. I couldn't resist. As I say, a number of people have clearly latched onto the same fact, and he's been backed in a bit, but little now. But um, I still wouldn't put anyone off taking him at forties or one or thereabouts. Now, if you look at the top of the market, Thomas Peters won the Czech Masters um, the, uh, in the in the back end of the summer last year, but he's just for me at the price, he's just not capitalised on a lot of good positions, and he just keeps coming in at this same kind of um, market leading price. And I guess if you if you're backing him and you know that he's a good player, you know he's well capable, but it could be running a bit thin really trying to. Um, trying to get a result out of him at the price, and I, I can't back him at that price. I've always thought, in my mind, and you back this up, for me, Peters is a very... Well, we know that he putts like Boo Weekly, but he's better on bent grass or bent poa yeah. greens. Yeah. Anything Bermuda, Paspilamish, I'm not really interested on Thomas Peters. No, there's a few players. Some, you know, the Scandinavians in particular, a few of them do struggle on anything other than... People are people are praying that Peters finds form and gets in the Ryder Cup team because he's going to yeah. be so sorted to whistling straights. It's so, so... It's such his golf course. 
Yeah, it may well do. He seems temperamental. It might come. It might come. But it might come when they're playing European, you know, European action on bent grass, bent power greens. Yeah, potentially. I, I think he's sorted his temperament out a little bit. I think he's improving that aspect. But I just, given that he has put himself in, in you know, in, in position to really advance on quite a few of these events since his last win, and mm. it's just not happened. I, I can't have him at the price. Uh, Martin Keimer, as you mentioned before, hasn't won since 2014. You know, has he lost that winning habit? Is he is he just struggling to actually mentally get himself um, into the position where he's going to win? I, I I can't back him at that price either. And Jos Lauten, I mean, we talked about his long game. His long game isn't anywhere near where um, I'd want to see it right now for me to be involved in, in, in or interested in backing him. So the top of the market, Thomas Detry, Gavin Green, they're just not converting for me. And Gavin Green... First round leader, he's almost a, an auto bet each week. But um, when it comes to the business end of things, he seems to seems to drop away virtually every week. I mean, for me, if I'm taking a chance on a non-winner, um, then Benjamin Ebert was the uh, the most logical choice for me. Um, and I think he's he's overdue a win. Um, saying that, six challenge tour wins over the course of his career isn't. Um, it doesn't suggest that he's incapable of doing. It. I'm sure he is. He, Three had three European Tour playoff losses last year during the course of the season, which has got yeah. particularly heartbreaking. But also t- shows you that he's getting himself well into the position to convert yeah. one of these opportunities. I and mean, one of those um, was uh, when he lost in the playoff to Bernd Wiesberger at the Scottish Open. So again, talking linksy coastal type connotations. He made um, he shot a sixty two on the final round to make the playoff. He had a fantastic chance. I don't know if you remember the playoff, but he had an incredibly short, well, not incredibly short, but a short part to yeah. win the tournament and, um, and, and missed, missed it. it. I remember watching it, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, then Wiesberger gleefully took his chance after that. But um, that was one playoff loss. He lost a playoff in China as well. He also was part of that six-man playoff at the uh, Turkish Airlines Open, which Tyrrell Hatton eventually won. But again, if you're looking for correlation, Kirk Kitchama, who won last year here, um, he was part of that six-man playoff as well, so potentially some some links there in terms of personnel. Um, Kitchar was not playing this week; he's actually playing over in your event, isn't he? In, he is, uh, yeah, over in uh, states, uh, yeah, in the Honda. So there's no defending champion here as it happens. Uh, twenty twenty started off in progressive fashion. Missed cut forty fifth, twenty seventh. Then we talked about his performance last week in Mexico, eighteenth. That was his best performance in the WGC. It's the best performance of those players who are coming back over from Mexico to play over here this week. And there were a handful of them, six or eight of them, who were coming over directly from Chapultepec to play. He was the best finisher of those who are over here this week. Um, Last time he played a WGC was the WGC HSBC Champions immediately before that playoff defeat in Turkey. So clearly he managed to maintain his form and improve the following week. And from two attempts here, he's finished ninth and 18th on this track in Oman. So a bit of sneaky course form, putted well on the pass bloom in Saudi um, a few weeks back. I think if there's one player who's got to break through sooner rather than later, it's got to be Benjamin Haber. And uh, as I say, available right now around about the 40 to 1 mark. Three more longer prices for me. Ashen Wu, um, we talked about Wu a couple of weeks back on the pod, actually. Yeah. Um, as being one to watch. and so He wins one, on the European Tour, doesn't he? He's well capable, yeah. And mm. I guess with the um, with the China Open, he's one, he's one of those players who does tend to lift his game when he's back in his homeland. But the China Open being postponed for now, um, it'd be interesting to see how they slot that in further down the line, if they slot it in, because I'm sure they'll be keen to do that. 
Um, but with that off the schedule, um, I guess in terms of his personal targets, this has got to be one of the big ones. And from his last four starts, he's been some decent nick. Ninth on the China Tour Championship before Christmas, 13th in Mauritius, which we've talked about potential links with this track. Um, sixth at the Dubai Desert Classic, which is really good. He led the field for scrambling that week, which was really positive. 13th in Saudi in another decent field. Um, his putting on the Passboom Greens that week was really impressive as well. So lots of good current form. Course form is poor, hence the price. Miscut 67 from two starts. But I'm happy in this instance to overlook the course form and let current form and um, some, some correlating course form as well, which I'll mention in a second. I'll let that um, override my thought process and I'll take a chance in number 81. The correlating course form is for the Dutch, the KLM Open um, back in 2018, which he won. We were on board actually, 125 to 1 that week. Yep. Very nice indeed. Joost Lauten won on the same track in 2016, came here two years ago and won. So if there's some course links, and the Dutch is one of those um, inland linksy style tracks. So again, I think in terms of um, style of play, there's going to be some some good correlation between those two tracks. So I can see Ash and Wu following in the same footsteps as 2018 winner Joost Lauten this week at a tasty 80 to 1. Brandon Stone, 80 to 1 off backed as well. Um, third time lucky, hopefully, with Brandon Stone for me because the last two times I backed him this year, he's missed the cut both at the South African Open and the Dubai Desert Classic. He owes you. death, really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope he's not reading it because he'll be ready to pack his bags on Friday night on the on the strength of what's happened so far when I've put some money on him. But no, I'm I'm keeping faith. And he's been has been a bit of a staggering star, really, isn't it? This this season, um, those miscuts, another couple of miscuts as well, started in there. But within that, some good stuff. Twenty first in Abu Dhabi, nineteenth at the Cape Town Open, tenth last week at the South African. Tour Championship over on the Sunshine Tour. Each of those events, his total drive and his ball striking has been exceptional. Difference is, last week on the South African Tour Championship, he found the putter. He produced his best putting performance for a long, long time, which I'm sure will give him a lot of hope and heart coming into this week. Again, he's got some form at the KLM Open for correlating with Josh Loughton. He's got some form at the Mauritius Open, which ties in with Kurt Kitchiyama. He won the Scottish Open at Gullen um, back in 2018. Shot a final round 60 that week to uh, to come through in a much, much stronger field. And from his attempts here, he's finished fourth and sixth, went back on the Challenge Tour earlier in his career. He was third going into the weekend here last year and um, before blowing up on the Saturday. I think his long game is in a much stronger position right now. So I don't see those silly, huge scoring rounds like the one he produced last Saturday, the Saturday here last year that took him out of contention and if the putter's performing like it was last week then um, he's just got to put it all together come on Brandon put it all together for me this week please and finally um, I have backed Robin C.O. Segrist at 125 to 1 that was eight each way with Boyles that's, um, that's gone that's been nibbled in there are a few other um, books still offering 125 to 1, or if you fancy the 8 each way, you can still get 100 to 1 at the time of writing. With Listeners listeners will be very aware that I've got no idea who this guy is. <laughs> he's a completely new... Well, if he's new to me and I kind of follow golf for a living, there's going to be hundreds of people out there, if not thousands, who've never heard of the bloke. Yeah, so yeah. Can, fill us in. 
We've not we've not seen a, a massive amount of him. He's, he's one of these players who's been plying his trade. He's relatively young. I think he's twenty six, maybe twenty seven this year. Mm. Um, Frenchman with a um, he's half French, half Irish. His, his mother's Irish and his father's French, but he's, he's adopted French nationality. Um, who won in Northern Ireland actually on the Challenge Tour back in twenty seventeen in one of these hybrid events. So um, one of these stroke play come um, match play. And malarkeys that uh, that uh, we were having on the European Tour until they were all locked off over, over the course of this season. So he won that back in 2017. Um, but he's been hovering around that level until last year. He came very, very close to automatically qualifying for the challenge and uh, for the European Tour. He missed out on auto qualification from the Challenge Tour rankings by a single spot. So uh, went off to Q School and uh, promptly qualified. So. He uh, clearly had uh, some decent form coming at the back end of the last year. He's hit the ground running going into this season as well. Eighth in Mauritius, third at the Vic Open. Um, from these last three starts, there was a miscut in between. But what's impressed me most, actually, is the stats that have accompanied those two efforts. Sixth and second for accuracy over those two events in Mauritius and Vic Open. Fourth and ninth for scrambling. First and third for putting average. First in both events for putts per round. So... He's hitting the ball long. He's hitting the ball straight. He's scrambling very, very well. He's putting incredibly. The only thing that's been missing, and the only thing that stopped those eighth and thirds being first and first, is his uh, his irons. If he comes here and finds some iron performance, I think he's going to go very, very, very close. Um, and at a three figure price, I'm happy to take a chance on that. Hmm. See how he gets on. He has played it once. He played it in 2017 back on the Challenge Tour. He finished 20th. So, again, no no disgrace in that whatsoever. And clearly, his current form, the way he's playing at the moment, in all aspects of his game, just with the exception of those uh, those approach shots, has been very, very strong. So, uh, let's hope he can uh, sharpen up his irons this week and, uh, and give it a good go at a, a long three-figure price. You're going to hate me, Paul. Go on. I've got three that I, I like the look of this week. All Go. of that kind of juicy mid-price. Go for it. Now, I don't know if you've got a never-back bucket, but I know players that you hate to back, and one of them is George Coatsey. Because <laughs> he never... You know, George, he, he, he is Ryan Palmer, Martin Laird-esque, isn't he? Yeah. He loves to um, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. But fifty to one with Ladbrokes, yeah. he's playing some nice stuff. He, he, he did. He, I think Coot, he should have. Um, oh, that that um, tournament a few weeks ago in um, South Africa that was won by Bizadenhu. Yeah, Coates he finished runner up, didn't he? He did. And I'm sure that if George, had, you'd probably go deeper. George was probably leading. But anyway, well, yes. Bezuidan yeah, had to. Uh, he eagled the last to snatch the victory. So I so, just yeah. he's finished eighth in the, on the South African Tour Championship and second in that Good Dimension Data Pro Am. And he actually mentioned the courses that you've mentioned in the past. You know, the, you know, um, places like the Dutch. Coates is a good player. He's also played well on Paspalum. He's done well. He's a winner on that in uh, Mauritius. Yeah. I just think Coatsy at fifty to one is a good bet. I know. I, you know, I, I, if I look along the list, Steve, he's ticking all of those boxes. I just, I can't back him. No, I know you can't. So, have you got a one back bu- uh, bucket like I am? 
I'm not sure I've got one written down and staring me in the face like, like, like you've No, got. but that one's... You have got one in your head, haven't you? Yeah, and, and, and George, George Coates is on it, yeah. I tell you who is a George Coatesy fan. Our friend Barry. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. mind backing him, does he? No. I expect he'll, he'll be contacting us after the show to tell us he's, he's all over George. Um, I do like Coatesy. I tell you another... Um, Another South African I like this week, and it isn't Brandon Stone. It's um, it's our friend Justin Harding. Mm. He's he hit lots and lots of. He was 29th last week in Mexico, World W uh, World Golf Championship level, and he hit lots of greens. Yeah. And Harding is a player that can win on the European Tour. Indeed, he won the Qatar Open last year. Yeah. So yeah. I think. I think sixty-six to one about Justin Harding is a bit disingenuous, really. Yeah, he's a better player than that, and he is, uh, isn't he? Again, you know, one of the aspects that I do like to look at, and again, one that you could make a case for Harding is those players who are coming up to anniversary, um, the events that they've won before. In terms of biorhythms, but also the fact that next week will be the week that he has to do more media yeah, yeah. spotlight yeah. work and uh, interviews and etc. This week. Um, happens a lot. The pressure's off, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put you off to back in Harding whatsoever, I must say, at the price. He's, he's well capable. And another one, a fr- I'm going for a Frenchman as well. I mean, backing Frenchman is, is bad, I think, in the long term, isn't it? But they, they're often so tempting because, you know, they, they've got such a good bunch of players at the moment, you know. You know, De Bruyson kind of set the stage, and now there's a lot of very strong French players that mm. don't tend to win a great deal. But Matt, but Matteo Pavon, yeah, top ten of the predictor model. Is he? He's coming off a form of seventeenth uh, in Mauritius, uh, fifty five. Then there was eleven in the Dubai Desert Classic, eleven in the Saudi International. Yeah, but you've always said to me, and it's true. You look at his form; he tends to do most of the better performances. By the coast, yeah, or link or inland links kind of setups. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. really grabbed my attention was fifth in Mauritius in 2017. He was also second in Mauritius in 2018, and I believe he was third here in one of those Challenger Tour events. So he's yeah. got course form as well. Yep, yep, yep. Again, there's there's plenty of boxes ticked. He also he's putting. He was in the top 25 for putting at Saudi on the Pasbloom Greens a few weeks ago. So. There's, um, again, there's a, a lot to like if you were, you were building a case for Pavon. So this is, Harding, this is it, and th- this is what I, I'm, I'm now jumping to what you were about to say. There's so many good players at great prices. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, you, I was looking at these kind of fifty to one prices upwards, and you, as you say, you could make a, make a case for a number of them who mm. you think actually have got a, a, a reasonably enough chance of uh, performing well and. You know, potentially winning this golf tournament, which uh, is refreshing. It's a nice position to be in on the uh, European Tour, I must say. So I've gone for... for Really, I'll, I'll get to this stage next week and wonder what the hell I was doing. But George Coetzee, uh, Matteo Pavon, and also Justin Harding. Mm. I think there's some very nice each-way three each-way bets there. I'd be disappointed if one of them didn't get in the mix. Yeah, I can see, see the logic with all of them, Steve. Enjoy your golfing, golf betting week, Paul. Will do. You too. Best of luck. Oh, let's let's have a change of luck. Yeah, in in, in my case, it'd be nice if we could uh, we could get something going this week. 
on that build-up to the Masters. Mm. We're also going to, listeners, get a record date in the diary for our first Masters podcast of the year. So I'm going to get in touch with our old friend Barry O'Hanrahan and we're, we're going to have a three-way podcast to talk about who we've already backed at the Masters, who we're interested in, and just uh, get the lowdown on the Masters because we can't get enough of it, really. So thanks to Paul. Uh, Thanks to you guys for listening. Of course, if you could leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Leave your name and where you are in the review, and we'll read it out at the start of next week's show. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. Bye-bye.